Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to the Marriage Day Podcast. We're Jimmy and Karen Evans, and the Marriage Day Podcast exists to help every couple succeed in marriage. Today, we're talking about becoming one in marriage, Karen. We're talking about intimacy in marriage, mm-hmm. and we're going to go to the teaching here in just a, a few minutes, but let me begin. Uh, we have a couple of questions from our uh, viewers, and so let me read your question, Karen. We got married eight years ago. We were happy and so in love at the time. Now we are focused on raising two young kids while both working in our own careers. We are so busy that we don't do anything just for us anymore. How do we get our marriage back on track? I think this is a great question because it, I mean, everybody, you know, most people can relate to this question because it, most people are coming from a, both the husband and the wife work. They have young families and they want the whole thing. They want everything. But somebody... Uh, once said that you know if you keep doing this stuff all the time it's gonna you can't you, yeah. you wear out yeah. the stress of it and you know we weren't built to try to do everything right you know and I think the way you say it all the time is what I love is you know you have to prioritize your marriage above work above children and it says that they were in love you yeah. know and you know they also the other thing I remember too about being young is. They always used to tell us, you know, the first five years are the hardest. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to say, mm-hmm. you're in the eighth year. You're doing really well. And so, you know, don't get discouraged, but go back and start doing the things that you used to do before. Uh, absolutely. Well, you know, Karen, the part of the question now, back when our kid, well, I think about the time Julie was born, you worked at a bank, uh, and I also worked and went to college, and you made the decision to stay at home. Mm-hmm. And now we were broke. I mean, we, we had, I made $7,000 a year. So I'm, I'm just saying in context, we didn't decide for you to stay home when we were rich. Mm-hmm. We, we were, but one of the greatest decisions we ever made mm-hmm. was for you to now, and I'm not saying it's wrong for both the husband and wife to work, but I am saying when you're both working and you have young kids, you're not able to see each other. What are you working for? Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you working for? And a lot of people, and I think the, the fallacy is they think, well, if we have money, we can solve all the rest of our problems. Mm-hmm. Well, what is that money doing right now? Mm-hmm. It, when you're worn out and you don't have time for each other, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. Right. And we see a lot of very wealthy people divorcing. Well, and the kids are under stress. You know, oh, yeah. if you're under stress, the kids are under stress. And, you know, we live in a day and time where it's just not worth it, you know, to be no. under that kind of stress. And you're training your children. Mm-hmm. You're, what you're training your children to do is is to ignore their marriage for the sake of money and for the sake of the kids. And so the value system should be we serve God and we love our family. Mm-hmm. And if there's something going on in our lives that keeps us from serving God and loving our family, we're going to get rid of it. And so one or both people, you have to get your priorities right. It might be that the husband or the wife is able to work part time, maybe work at home and to, to create more time. It might be that you're able just to say no to a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sport, I mean, your kids may be involved in all kinds of sports. You might be involved in all, 
in any place that you can cut down, you have to cut down so you still have a relationship. Mm-hmm. If you don't have energy for your marriage, you've got something. You, that's a that's a serious problem. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you have a question there, too. I do. Uh, my wife and I have been arguing about how we each spend money. I get angry when she confronts me about my spending habits because she is just as guilty. This is affecting every area of our marriage, and I don't know how to resolve this. Well, we had issues with money early in the marriage mm-hmm. because we both see money differently. Mm-hmm. And, and there's nothing right or wrong about it. It's just we just see it differently. So um, probably in, in your marriage, you have a different money language, uh, which causes you to have a, a, a hard time understanding each other's complaint. So I say several things. In, in the book, The Four Laws of Love, and also in Marriage on the Rock, I talk about money there. I think that would help you. You might need to go get counseling. You might need to go get financial counseling because it could be that you just simply can't resolve this on your own. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing is when you have a budget, budgets create accountability. When you both sit down and agree, let's just say that you agreed that we're going to spend $300 a month on this mm-hmm. and, and you don't. One of you violates that. That's, there's some, a budget creates accountability. Mm-hmm. Without a budget, you haven't agreed beforehand So you're always reacting Mm -hmm. to the financial issues and there's no accountability. Mm -hmm. In other words, if we have a budget that says this is how much we're going to spend, I mean, and I violate it, I I send. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's it's easy to confront each other when you say, well, you you blew the budget. (laughs) When there's no budget, what what was my sin? It's just always a a personal opinion. So we hope that that helps. But we're going to go right now to the teaching on becoming one. We hope you like it. After several years of marriage, we almost divorced. And what I can say uh, after 40 years, we've been married 40 years now. And uh, what I can say after 40 years of marriage is this, this is my soulmate. This is the person that I'm my best friend, the person I'm glad I'm married to. But we have one heart. Our marriage is, we're not, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we have one heart. And we went from the place of almost divorcing to a place now of being one in God and after 40 years of marriage and being happy and, and, and loving the fact that we're married and looking forward to the rest of our, our lives together. So I wanna make it practical and I wanna talk to you about how to become one heart in God. And the first thing is to become one in God's purpose. To become one in God's purpose. So let me give you a principle here to start out with, okay? You can only stay happily married if the reason you're married is greater than the stress that's on your marriage. Let me, let me repeat that now. You can only stay happily married if the reason that you're married is greater than the stress that you're experiencing, and you always have stress on your marriage. There's always a stressor on your marriage. You know, whether it's a physical issue or kids or money or in-laws or work or something like that, there are always stressors on our, on our marriage. And so to be happily married, the purpose, the reason for our marriage has to be great enough that it's greater than the stressors. And so the question is, why are you married? What is the, what is the purpose of your marriage? And when you, ask, when you ask a couple, you say, you know, did God put you together? They'll say, yes, and kind of goo at each other when they're saying it, you know. Yes, God put us together. And then you say, why? And they say, huh? Is because a lot of times we're very vague in our understanding of the purpose of our marriage. And when you ask people, really put pressure on people and say, okay, tell me why you're married. They'll say things like this, to share our lives together. That makes sense, you know. To build a family. To share finances, because we're soulmates. 
Uh, we're physically attracted to each other. Uh, we're in love, okay? So all those, there's, there's nothing wrong with any of those answers per se, but remember, you can only stay happily married if the reason that you're married is greater than the stress that you're under right now. So let's just kind of go back through a few of those reasons and kind of look at them. You say, well, we got married because we want to share our lives together, okay? We want to share our lives together. Well, okay, great. But what happens one day when you wake up and realize you accidentally married the devil? You know, or his ex-wife. I mean, you know, you, that's the way you feel. You know, you, 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 know you, you got married to share your lives together, but all of a sudden you wake up and everything's changed. And they've changed. And they're not sharing anymore. Either they've kind of gone away from the marriage or they're dominating the marriage. They're not sharing. Okay? So I'm saying the reason you got married is now the stress that you're under. You got married because of your spouse. Now your spouse is the stress. You can only stay happily married if the reason that you're married is greater than the stress that you're under. And if you get married because you want to share your lives together, what happens when your spouse is the issue? Your reason is the stress. You say, well, we want to share our finances. You know, we, we have all these dreams for our finances. That's great, but what, what, what happens when there's nothing to share? You know, when you lost your job, when you've had a financial setback, and finances are the stress that you're under. And the number one reason people list is the reason they're divorcing is financial pressure. We got married because of finances. Now you're under financial pressure. Your reason is now your stress. And it's interesting, the top three reasons people marry are the top three reasons people list as the reason they're divorcing. So, so we're, we're getting married for all these reasons, then they become the stress, and that's the issue, okay? You say, well, we're attracted to each other, and we're in love. Well, you know, what happens when you don't feel that way any longer? What happens when the chemistry isn't there? What happens when you're out of love and you're, you're not feeling anything? Your feelings, the reason you got married, your feelings are now the stress that you're under and you don't feel the way you used to feel anymore. Children, right on down the line, okay? So when these, and then they compound on each other. You have financial problems and child problems. You have work stress and you have physical issues. In other words, they begin to compound on each other and now you have multiple stressors on your relationship and what they do is they test the integrity of the purpose of your marriage. Did you choose a high enough purpose to keep you married when the stress comes on you? Okay, so Karen and I, this is what happened to Karen and I. We got married with all the best of intentions. I think if, if the reasons that I listed there, that's probably we want to share our lives together, we want to build a family, all of those reasons, but we were on the brink of divorce and those were the stresses that we were under. So, so what changed in our marriage? We changed purposes. What saved our marriage, if you ask Karen and I, why did you make it? It's because we made our marriage about God. The number one purpose that we're married is to fulfill God's will in our lives, okay? We're, mar we're married because of God. And so here's my question. Remember my principle now. You can only stay happily married if the reason that you're married is greater than the stress that you're under. Is any stress greater than God? No, he's the only reason that is greater than any stress that you'll ever be under. He's greater than money. He's greater than kids. He's greater than physical issues. He's greater than my job. He's greater than my past. He, he's greater than any, any giant, any mountain, any problem that I'll ever face. And so you ask Karen and I, why are you married? God, we're the on, God is the only reason we'll, we're still married today because we have gone through times of questioning. You know, did we make a mistake? Are we supposed to stay married? And, and no, we're, we're married for life. How many of you, how many of you married somebody really opinionated? 
Karen's hand, Karen's hand isn't up. What's up? She just put it up. Yeah. Everybody's opinionated. Have you noticed that? Everybody, strong-willed, opinionated. You thought they were so sweet before you married them, and then you married them. It's like, gosh, they're so opinionated. It's just getting on my nerves. Okay, so the question, how can two people very strongly, you know, you're strong. I mean, God made you strong. God made you opinionated. There's nothing wrong with that. How do two very strong-willed people ever to come together in one will? See, Karen and I, when we got married, I was, she was a lot more stubborn than I thought she was before I married her, I can tell you that. And a lot more opinionated, and I was very dominant. I mean, I, she knew I was, you know, opinionated and dominant. I didn't know she was quite that much. I got a little surprised by that. But anyway, <laughs> she, so, how, is she laughing? Is she like, I need to know, because I'm, I'm uh, but, see, Many marriages are like this. It's two people butting heads. Here's how your marriage should be, submitting to one head. Amen. In the midst of our busy lives, it's easy to neglect our skin. But One Skin, our sponsor today, is on a mission to simplify skincare while delivering profound results. One Skin's secret weapon, their proprietary OS01 peptide. This groundbreaking ingredient doesn't just mask skin issues, it targets them at a cellular level. We've always struggled with finding products that actually deliver on their promises, but One Skin blew us away with its results. We've used it primarily on our face and neck, and the difference is incredible. But don't just take my word for it. One Skin's commitment to skin longevity is backed by solid science. Their research has shown that the OS01 peptide can reduce the number of sensitive cells by up to 50%, effectively reversing skin's biological age. Invest in the health and longevity of your skin with One Skin. As a listener of our show, you can snag an exclusive 15% off your first purchase using code MARRIAGE at oneskin.co. That's oneskin.co with code MARRIAGE. After you make your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please do us a solid and let them know we sent you. Let's support each other in the journey to healthier, happier skin. Remember, One Skin isn't just about skin care. It's about skin longevity. Say hello to a brighter, more youthful you. If you're tired of endlessly scrolling through mundane TV shows, searching for something fresh and inspiring, I get it. Time is too valuable to waste on mind-numbing content. It's time to invest in something new. Allow me to introduce you to Hillsdale College. They're offering over 40 free online courses covering essential and enduring subjects. Think C.S. Lewis, the Book of Genesis, the essence of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, and the ancient Christian church. And here's the kicker. These courses won't cost you a penny. They're absolutely free. Now I want to share a personal recommendation. American Citizenship and Its Decline with Victor Davis Hanson. In this insightful eight-lecture course, Victor explores the history of Western citizenship and the challenges it faces today from the vanishing middle class to the rise of globalist organizations and much more. Here's the deal, friends. Head over to hillsdale.edu forward slash marriage right now to kick off your free course. It's simple to get started and it won't cost you a dime. That's hillsdale.edu forward slash marriage, the gateway to beginning your learning journey. Don't miss this chance to invest your time in something truly meaningful. Join Hillsdale College and let's start expanding our horizons together. How do two people, very strongly opinionated people, come together in agreement under his will? 
We never, Karen and I never talk about who the boss of our marriage is. The boss of our marriage is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not trying to beat each other down or convince each other of anything. We're always trying to find his will. Let me say this. There's not one decision in our marriage we're not completely in agreement on because every decision we've made in our marriage for many years, we pray about and we talk about and we don't dominate each other or bully each other. We only have one interest and that's finding his will. And let me tell you about God's will. It's a perfect will. It will lead you into your promised land 100% of the time. We have limited wisdom and limited perspective. He's been around forever and he can see around the block three billion miles. He knows exactly the right decisions for us to make. And if we'll trust him, we'll always make a perfect decision. And God's will is a win-win will. The woman doesn't lose. The man doesn't lose. No one loses. Everybody gains from God's will. And so to to become one in God's will begins by both submitting to, to each other and to God. This is Ephesians 21, the context is marriage. Submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And the fear of Christ doesn't mean fear in a bad way, it means reverence. Submit to one another. It's telling, Ephesians 5 is telling women how to submit to men and men how to submit to women. Again, Karen and I, we, ne- we never bring up the subject of, of who the boss of our marriage is. Let me say this, when we had a bad marriage, I didn't know one other scripture in the Bible except she was supposed to submit to me. <laughs> And, and I quoted it on a regular basis, and it was a near-death experience. I'm telling you that right now. The sister, the sister didn't get it, I can tell you. So, but submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And what that means is, is that when Karen and I are talking about making decisions, we're kind to each other. We don't bully each other. But here's what we found out over the years. When you find God's will, you find God's blessing, and you find God's peace. And in our, in our home, we're not legalistic people, but what we do is when we're making a decision and Karen and I are in disagreement, the, the, the one who solves that argument is God's word. What does the word of God say about it? And you consult God's word, and we, what we do is we pray, we share, we consult God's word until we come to a place of agreement. And that's where after all these years, again, our home is built on one will. Karen and I share a oneness in our relationship because you know when I was dominating Karen it violated her it always violates you when someone's dominating you and it, we weren't basing our, our home on God's will we were basing it on my will and in some cases you know you get so frustrated that you divide within the home you're, you haven't divorced but you're within the home and what happens is you have two people living in the same house but you're living two different lives because you've decided this is how you're going to coexist I'm going to do my thing you do your thing well marriage isn't about living on different sides of the house Marriage is about sharing everything. And, and here's how you do that. I, I don't want to dominate you. Listen, I don't want to get my way. I want to get his way. And whatever his way means, if I have to change, if I have to repent, if I, if I have to sacrifice for God's way, I'll do it. The fruit of it is peace, and the fruit of it is oneness, becoming one in God's will. There's one other thing of how we become one heart, and that's becoming one in God's love, one in God's purpose, one in God's will, and one in God's love. We don't have the love to love each other with. We just simply don't. It's not in us, naturally. And Galatians chapter five says, the fruit of the spirit is love. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when the Bible uses the word love, the New Testament related to God, it's the word agape. Now, there's eros love, that's a sexual love. We have that kind of love, which is, you know, uh, it's not bad necessarily, but it's not enough. We have, there's a word called epithumeia, it's a Greek word, and it means passion. 
we have that. I mean, we, we get passionate about each other, but again, it's not enough. There's a phileo type of a love. It means a friendship kind of a love. I like you. You know, you're, you're my buddy. You're my best friend. That's an emotion. But the word agape is the only word for love that does not depend on an emotion. See, when you, when you depend on an emotion for love, what it means is when you're not feeling good, you can't love. And you get stranded and you say, we're out of love. Let me, let me say something to you. Depending on God, you can never be out of love. You have absolutely no idea what your emotions are gonna do tomorrow. You have no idea, and neither do I. I may wake up in a good mood, in a bad mood. You know, I don't know, but here's what I know. God will be on his throne tomorrow, and he will be able to give me the ability to love regardless of how I feel. I don't trust my emotions. My, I, the reason I don't trust my emotions is because if I do trust my emotions and my emotions turn negative, I'm gonna become negative. And what I've learned is I've got to act above my emotions to have a righteous marriage and to be a righteous husband. And I can't use my emotions as an excuse of doing the wrong thing because I don't feel good or, or I'm out of love or whatever. It also means you have a time every day when you're asking the Lord to fill you with his love. Now, Karen and I, for many years, I've never known a day in 40 years that my wife didn't read the Bible every morning under any circumstance. But here's the most important thing that Karen and I do for our marriage. When we wake up in the morning, she gets her coffee, goes to one side of the house, I get my coffee, go to the other side of the house, and we sit in the presence of the Lord and we take our fears and our hurts and our worries and our desires and our dreams and our needs to God first. And when I'm praying, here's, here's the way I pray every day concerning Karen and concerning my life, and that is, Lord, I don't have the ability to love Karen the way that I need to. I just don't have that ability. I, I openly admit I don't. And I'm asking you to fill me with your love for Karen. See, God did not design us to love each other out of our own soul. He designed us to where we would come to him, he would fill us with love, and we would love each other out of the overflow of God's love. When I, when I have been in the presence of the Lord in asking God for him to fill, fill me with his love, it's, it really is amazing how godly I can be um, under stress. When I haven't been in the presence of the Lord, after 40 years of being a Christian, it's amazing how carnal I can be under stress. It, love is just not in me. It's just love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the personality of Jesus Christ. That's the person our spouse needs. And the wonderful thing is, God gives it away for free anytime we ask. Regardless of my past, regardless of my natural personality, regardless of our circumstances, I can have the personality of Jesus right now. All I've got to do is just ask. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Under any circumstances, on the worst day of your life, in the worst circumstances that you're going through, you can be full of God's love. So when I'm operating in God's love, I'll never be out of love with you. It doesn't mean if I like you. It doesn't matter if I like you right now. It doesn't matter if we're having hard times. I'm not loving you out of the capacity of my emotions. I'm loving you out of the capacity of God's spirit. And listen to me, when I go talk to God about Karen, he will not take up an offense against her because I've tried to get him to. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Don't like how you haven't tried it. Here's what I found out about God. He's madly in love with her. And when I go complaining, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't listen, but he's very sympathetic to the fact that I need a lot of help. 
You know what I'm talking about? I don't feel confident whatsoever in my capacity to love. I'm, I'm not the marriage guy because I, I know how to do all this. I'm the marriage guy by the grace of Almighty God. Karen and I have one heart that we share in our marriage and we're not special. We're not special at all. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events. 